Chapter Eight of the Mysteries of Paris, Volume Two. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. The Mysteries of Paris by Eugène Sue. Chapter Eight: The Dream. This was the schoolmaster's dream. He was again in Rodolph's house in the Allée des Veuves. The saloon in which the miscreant had received his appalling punishment had not undergone any alteration rodolph himself was sitting at the table on which were the schoolmaster's papers and the little saint esprit of lapis which he had given to the chouette rodolph's countenance was grave and sad on his right the negro david was standing motionless and silent on his left was the chourineur who looked on with a bewildered mien in his dream the schoolmaster was no longer blind but saw through a medium of clear blood which filled the cavities of his eyeballs all and everything seemed to him tinted with red as birds of prey hover on motionless wing above the head of the victim which they fascinate before they devour so a monstrous screech-owl chouette having for its head the hideous visage of the one-eyed hag soared over the schoolmaster keeping fixed on him her round glaring and green eye this fixed stare was upon his breast like a heavy weight the schoolmaster discerned a vast lake of blood separating him from the table at which rodolph was seated then this inflexible judge as well as the chourineur and the negro grew and grew expanding into colossal proportions until they touched the ceiling and then it also became higher in proportion the lake of blood was calm and as unruffled as a red mirror the schoolmaster saw his hideous countenance reflected therein then that was suddenly effaced by the tumult of the swelling waves from their troubled surface there arose a vapour resembling the foul exhalation of a marsh a livid coloured mist of that violet hue peculiar to the lips of the dead in proportion as this miasma rises rises the faces of rodolph the chourineur and the negro continue to expand and expand in an extraordinary manner and always remain above this fearful cloud in the midst of the awful vapour the schoolmaster sees the pale ghosts and those murderous scenes in which he had been the actor in this fantastic mirage he first sees a little ball-headed old man clad in a long brown coat and wearing an eye-shade of green silk he is employing himself in a dilapidated chamber in counting and arranging pieces of gold into piles by the light of a lamp through the window lighted by the dim moonlight reflected on the tops of some high trees waving in the wind the schoolmaster recognizes his own figure pressing his distorted features against the glass following every motion of the old man with glaring eyes then breaking a pane he opens the window itself leaps with a bound upon his victim and stabs him between the shoulders with his long and keen knife the movement is so rapid the blow so quick and sure that the dead body of the old man remains seated in the chair the murderer tries to withdraw his weapon from the dead body he cannot he redoubles his efforts in vain he then seeks to quit the deadly steel impossible the hand of the assassin clings to the handle of the poignard as the blade of the poignard clings to the frame of the wounded man the murderer then hears the sound of clinking spurs and clashing swords in the adjoining room he must escape at all risks and attempts to carry with him the body of the feeble old man from which he cannot withdraw either his weapon or his hand he cannot do even this the light and feeble carcass weighs him down like a mass of lead despite his herculean shoulders his desperate efforts the schoolmaster cannot even stir this overwhelming weight 
the sound of echoing steps and jingling sabres comes nearer and nearer the key turns in the lock the door opens the vision disappears and then the screech owl flaps her wing and shrieks out it is the old miser of the rue de la roule your maiden murder 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 a moment's darkness then the miasma which covers the lake of blood resumes its transparency and another spectre is revealed the day begins to dawn the fog is thick and heavy a man clothed like a cattle dealer lies stretched dead on the bank of the high road the trampled earth the torn turf proved that the victim had made a desperate resistance the man has five bleeding wounds in his breast he is lifeless yet still he seems to whistle on his dogs calling to them help help but his whistling his cries proceed from five large and gaping wounds each one a death in nature which move like so many complaining lips the five calls the five whistlings all made and heard at once come from the dead man by the mouths of his gushing wounds and fearful are they to hear at this instant the chouette waves her wings and mocks the deathly groans of the victim with five bursts of laughter a laughter as unearthly and as horrible as the madman's mirth and then again she shrieks the cattle dealer of poissy murder 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 protracted and underground echoes first repeat aloud the malevolent laughter of the screech owl then they seem to die away in the very bowels of the earth at this sound two large dogs as black as midnight with eyes glaring like burning coals begin to run rapidly around 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 the schoolmaster baying furiously they almost touch him and yet their bark appears as distant as if carried on the wind of the morning gradually these spectres fade away as the previous one did and are lost in the pale vapour which is continually ascending a new exhalation now arises from the lake of blood and spreads itself on its surface it is a sort of greenish transparent mist it resembles the vertical section of a canal filled with water at first he sees the bed of the canal covered in by a thick vase formed of numberless reptiles usually imperceptible to the unassisted eye but which enlarged as if viewed through a microscope assume monstrous forms vast proportions relatively to their actual size it is no longer mud but a compact living crawling mass an inextricable conglomeration which wriggles and curls so close so dense that a sullen and low undulation hardly stirs the level of this vase or rather bed of foulest animalculae above trickles gently gently a turbid stream thick and stagnating which in its dilatory flow disturbs the filth incessantly vomited by the sewers of a great city fragments of all sorts carcasses of animals etc etc suddenly the schoolmaster hears the plash of a body which falls heavily on the water in its recoil the water sprinkles his very face in the midst of the air bubbles which rise thick and fast to the surface of the canal he sees the body of a woman which sinks rapidly as she struggles struggles then he sees himself and the chouette running hastily along the banks of st martin's canal carrying with them a box covered with black cloth and yet he is still present during all the variations of agony suffered by the victim whom he and the chouette have thrown into the canal after the first immersion the victim rises to the surface and moves her arms in violent agitation like someone who not knowing how to swim tries in vain to save herself 
then she utters a piercing cry a cry of one in the last extremity despairing which ends in the sullen stifled sound of involuntary choking and the woman the second time sinks beneath the troubled waters the screech owl which hovers continually motionless imitates the convulsive rattle of the drowning wretch as she mocked the dying groans of the cattle dealer in the midst of bursts of death-like laughter the screech owl utters glue 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 the subterranean echoes repeated the sound a second time submerged the woman is fast suffocating and makes one more desperate effort for breath but instead of air it is water which she inspires then her head falls back her convulsed features are swollen and become livid her neck becomes blue and tumefied her arms stiffen and in a last spasmodic effort the drowning woman in her agony moves her feet which are resting on the vase then she is surrounded by a mass of black soil which ascends with her to the surface of the water scarcely has the choked wretch breathed her last sigh than she is covered with myriads of the microscopic reptiles the greedy and horrible vermin of the mud the carcass floats for a moment balances for a moment and then sinks slowly horizontally the feet lower than the head and between the double waters begins to follow the current of the land sometimes the dead corpse turns and its pale face is before the schoolmaster then the spectre fixes on him glaringly its two blue glassy and opaque eyes the livid mouth opens the schoolmaster is far away from the drowning woman and yet her lips murmur in his ears glue 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 accompanying these appalling syllables with that singular noise which a bottle thrust into the water makes when filling itself the screech owl repeats glue 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 flapping her wings and shrieking the woman of the canal st martin murder 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 the vision of the drowned woman disappears the lake of blood through which the schoolmaster still constantly beholds rodolph becomes of a bronze black colour then red again and then changes instantaneously into a liquid furnace-like molten metal then that lake of fire rises 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 towards the sky like an immense whirlpool there is now a fiery horizon like iron at a white heat this immense boundless horizon dazzles and scorches the very eyes of the schoolmaster who fascinated fastened to the spot cannot turn away his gaze then at the bottom of this burning lava whose reflection seems to consume him he sees pass and repass one by one the black and giant spectres of his victims the magic lanthorn of remorse 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 shrieks the night-bird flapping her hideous wings and laughing mockingly notwithstanding the intolerable anguish which his impatient gaze creates the schoolmaster has his eyes fixed on the grisly phantoms which move in the blazing sheet then an indefinable horror steals over him passing through every step of indescribable torture by dint of contemplating this blazing sight he feels his eyeballs which have replaced the blood with which his orbits were filled at the commencement of his dream he feels his eyeballs grow hot burning and melt in this furnace to smoke and bubble and at last to become calcined in their cavities like two crucibles filled with red fire by a fearful power after having seen as well as felt the successive transformations of his eyeballs into ashes he falls into the darkness of his actual blindness 
but now suddenly his intolerable agonies are assuaged as though by enchantment an odorous air of delicious freshness passes over his burning eyeballs this air is a lovely admixture of the sense of springtime which exhale from flowers bathed in evening dew the schoolmaster hears all about him a gentle murmur like that of a breeze which just stirs the leaves like that of a brook of running waters which rushes and murmurs on its bed of stone and moss in the leafy month of june thousands of birds warble the most enchanting melodies they are stilled and the voices of children of angelic tone sing strange unknown words words that are winged if we may use the expression and which the schoolmaster hears mount to heaven with gentle motion a feeling of moral health of tranquillity of undefined languor creeps over him by degrees it is an expansion of the heart an elevation of the mind an effort of the soul of which no physical feeling how delicious soever it may be can impart the least idea he feels himself softly soaring in a heavenly sphere he seems to rise to an immeasurable height after having for some months revelled in this unspeakable felicity he again finds himself in the dark abyss of his habitual thoughts his dream continues but he is again but the muzzled miscreant who blasphemes and curses in the paroxysm of his impotent rage a voice is heard sonorous solemn it is rodolph's the schoolmaster starts like a guilty thing upon a fearful summons he has the vague consciousness of a dream but the alarm with which rodolph inspires him is so great that he tries but vainly to escape from this fresh vision the voice speaks he listens the tone of rodolph is not severe it is rather in sorrow than in anger unhappy man he says to the schoolmaster the hour of your repentance has not yet sounded god only knows when it will strike the punishment of your crimes is still incomplete you have suffered but not expiated destiny follows out its work of full justice your accomplices have become your tormentors a woman a child tame subdue conquer you when i sentenced you to a terrible punishment for your crimes i said do you remember my words you have wickedly abused the great bodily strength bestowed upon you i will paralyze that strength the strongest have trembled before you i will make you henceforward shrink in the presence of the weakest of beings you have left the obscure retreat in which you might have dwelt for repentance and expiation you were afraid of silence and solitude you sought to drown remembrance by new crimes just now in a fearful and bloodthirsty access of passion you have wished to kill your wife she is here under the same roof as yourself she sleeps without defence you have a knife her apartment is close at hand there was nothing to prevent you from reaching her nothing could have protected her from your rage nothing but your impotence the dream you have had and in which you are still bound may teach you much may save you the mysterious phantoms of this dream bear with them a most pregnant meaning the lake of blood in which your victims have appeared is the blood you have shed the molten lava which replaced it is the gnawing eating remorse which must consume you before one day that the almighty having mercy on your protracted tortures shall call you to himself and let you taste the ineffable sweetness of his gracious forgiveness but this will not be no no these warnings will be useless far from repenting you regret every day with horrid blasphemies the time when you would commit such atrocities alas 
from this continual struggle between your bloodthirsty desires and the impossibility of satisfying them between your habits of fierce oppression and the compulsion of submitting to beings as weak as they are depraved there will result to you a fate so fearful so appalling ah unhappy wretch rodolph's voice faltered and for a moment he was silent as if emotion and horror had hindered him from proceeding the schoolmaster's hair bristled on his brow what could be would be that fate which even his executioner pitied the fate that awaits you is so horrible resumed rodolph that if the almighty in his inexorable and all-powerful vengeance would make you in your person expiate all the crimes of all mankind he could not devise a more fearful punishment ah woe for you woe for you at this moment the schoolmaster uttered a piercing shriek and awoke with a bound at this horrid frightful dream End of chapter eight read by Celine Major.